Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. You are now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast, Week 12 edition. Somehow, it is the end of November, early December. 2021 is almost over, and that means the NFL season is almost over. And just like everyone thought, here the Patriots are, 8-4, and four, just dominated the Tennessee Titans. We all called that one way back in April when the schedule came out, Pat's over Titans. What a week. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I say it every week, Rich Hill. I feel like I'm I'm less clue I'm more and more clueless about the state of the NFL with each passing quarter in this 2021 season. So I'd like to break it down with you, buddy. But first and foremost, decorum promotes. How are you? And how was your holiday? It was great. It was lovely. Had a lot of really good food. Saw some family. Uh, watched some football. It was great. It was like the ideal. Thanksgiving. Uh, I don't know if you watch any of the college football too, but that Alabama Auburn game was also just bonkers. Uh, quadruple overtime. Um, so a lot of good football over the past few days. Uh, kicking off with Thanksgiving. Um, Alec, how was yours? It was good. I also had some good food. I've yet to stay awake for the entire Cowboys game. I always pass out in the middle of it, regardless of how good it is. I'm just too tripped to fan <laughs> out. And this year was no exception. I wish the Raiders had lost to the Cowboys. I wish the Bills had lost to the Saints. Honestly, Rich, with the exception of Patriots over Titans, I wish pretty much almost every single result went the opposite way. Save Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Tommy B helped the, the, the Patriots help by beating the Colts. But unlike last week, week 11, where I feel like everything went the Patriots' way, every team we would have liked to see lose to help out New England's playoff seating ended up winning. And the Patriots took care of business, but the playoff picture remains as muddled as ever. Oh, totally. I mean, starting off on that Thanksgiving game, I would have loved to see the Bills fall on their face against the Saints, but instead they just absolutely dominated the Saints. They got out to a 24-0 lead through three quarters. Dawson Knox had a pretty strong game with a couple of touchdowns for the, the, the Bills out there. Stephon Diggs was his normal reliable self. Uh, Josh Allen has done a pretty poor job of protecting the football, but he had an overall pretty strong game. Uh, and, and the Saints team, uh, I saw this going around on Twitter, I wish that the Patriots could have played this Saints team as opposed to the one that they did earlier in the year where, you know, Trevor Simeon is just terrible. They don't have a running back. Uh, little Jordan Humphrey is their top receiver. This is just not a strong Saints team, and the Bills were very fortunate to have that matchup. Um, but that said, Patriots got pretty fortunate with their Titans matchup as well. Um, but would have loved to see the Bills lose, especially with the Patriots having to play the Bills uh, on Monday night next week. Yeah, at Monday night, Bills is going to be a really tough matchup. The Bills are, again, there's this debate going on on the internet and in the NFL pundits and whatnot, who the best team in the AFC is. I don't think it's the Patriots, but it's tough because I feel like any team that plays their A game can be the best team in the AFC, but... Not every team's bringing their A game. I will say the Patriots, Rich, are the most consistent team in the AFC because they've now rattled off six straight, 
including that 36 to 13 domination of Tennessee Titans. It basically could have been 36 to seven had they not lost a 68 yarder right before the halftime when that stupid draw play. McCourty took a bad angle. The running game, I want to talk about that. But overall, Rich, it's really hard to be upset when you win by 23 points to a team that most of us, myself included, had pegged as a loss earlier on this year. Totally. And like that's a mark of a good team for the Patriots is that, uh, you know, you beat the bad teams by a lot. And sure, the Titans were the number one team in the conference, but based off of all their injuries, they're not a good team. Uh, and, and you see the other main teams in the conference. And this is to your point about uh, being the most consistent team with the Patriots and their win streak. The other three top teams in the conference are the the Bills, the the Chiefs that were on the bye, and then the Ravens team that barely squeaked out a victory over the Browns. Those three non-Patriots teams fluctuate between being world beaters and just bottom feeders from a week-to-week basis. Like on one week, you'll get the Chiefs with their worst-ranked defense ever. And then another week, you'll have Patrick Mahomes being Patrick Mahomes. Uh, the Bills, according to Football Outsiders, are the most inconsistent team in all of football what, from like their variation week to week. And the Ravens, I know that they're dealing with a lot of injuries, but you know they can lay a goose egg from time to time. So where the Patriots are, their ceiling is probably less than that of the, the Bills, Chiefs, and the Ravens. You know, If everyone's playing their A game, I would say that the Patriots are probably the fourth best team uh, in, in the conference. But... All of those other teams are not playing their A game every single week, and the Patriots are. The Patriots are doing such a great job, uh, you know, where in my head, this was a quintessential Patriots victory, where it was comfortable. They won 36 to 13. Hard to complain about that. Mac Jones had a great day. Uh, you know, he had some pretty strong overall defensive production, except for against the run. And for Bill Belichick to win so comfortably, to have a great conference win, uh, and to still have something that he can needle at and say, look, this was the most rushing yards I've ever allowed. (laughs) This is unacceptable. Uh, Gives them something to work on where this victory over the then number one team in the conference can't go to their head. Absolutely. And they're going to need to keep their focus with that Bills game in Buffalo around the corner. But breaking down this game, Rich... Let's talk about the Patriots offense, because I think efficient and consistent is the name of the game. Jacoby Myers had maybe his most productive game of the season, almost had 100 yards, had a crucial block on Kendrick Bourne to spring him, had a long 38-yarder on first and 20, which was fantastic. No Patriot rusher ran for over 46 yards. Ramondre Stevenson was the leading rusher with nine carries for 46 yards, which basically means that the running game wasn't working, especially early on in the game, and Mac Jones had to go out there and win it, and he did. I mean, he was wildly consistent, 73% passing, I believe, 23 of 32, whatever whatever that marks out to, 310, two TDs. He had a couple of throws he definitely wants back. He missed a wide-open Hunter Henry, which would have been a touchdown before the halftime, which then led to a field goal, which then Tennessee came back in at 68-yarder. And there was a pass to, I believe, Jonu Smith. That could have been a pick six. Bounced right of the linebacker's hands, if I remember correctly. But other than that, I think he made good decisions. He was decisive, despite the fact – that the play uh, the running game wasn't working. He was still 11 for 11 on play action somehow for 169 yards. He's just commanding this offense well, and while he may not be the most exciting quarterback to watch, he is a guy I am fully confident in, and if I had to vote right now, he is my rookie of the year, hands down. 
Oh, easily, no question about it. If, if you're leading your team with like a bunch of new faces to the top of your conference as a rookie quarterback, you're the Offensive Player of the Year candidate uh, without any contest. Uh, and I, I think that there's two things. One, uh, play action works, according to the stats, uh, regardless of the running game. You don't need to have an efficient rushing attack for it to be successful. You just have to have some semblance of a running back in the backfield. That's all that matters. Um, and so like the fact that Mac Jones had that success is great. He, he, he really relies heavily on the play action. Patriots use it more than almost anyone in the league. And so for that to continue to be successful, I think paid off a lot. Um, but I, I, I think what happened is uh, the head coach of Tennessee Titans, old friend Mike Rabel, he was giving the Patriots a little bit of their own medicine. Uh, you know, what, what does Bill Belichick always like to do when he's facing a team? He likes to take away their best player and force them to play left-handed. And with the, the Patriots, it's the rushing attack. Patriots would have loved to be able just to pound out the, the rushing game for the entire, you know, entire day. Uh, but instead, the Titans did a great job bottling it up, and Mac Jones was the one that Vrabel was like, all right, let's have him beat us. And he did. You know, as you said, there's a couple of plays that he would like back. His connection with Hunter Henry was not what it's been in, in recent weeks, but it was a pretty consistent Mac Jones performance. You know, 72% completion rate. He had three or more targets to, I believe, six different players. So Jacoby Myers had eight, Bourne had six, uh, Hunter Henry had five, Bolden Janu had four, and Algalore had three. Uh, and so this was just like a very standard passing game for the Patriots. Not a lot of big plays uh, from a Mac Jones throwing perspective, but definitely had a lot of big gains out there. Kendrick Bourne's 41-yard touchdown, uh, which probably could have only gone to like 15 on a normal day, but he made a great run towards the end zone with Myers throwing that great block uh, to make it a 41-yard score. So the receivers definitely helped out Mac Jones, but that's what you want, right? That's what you want if the opposing team's taking away your rushing attack. It's for your receivers to step up, and while the Patriots don't have a 100-yard receiver uh, at any point this year, uh, they are one game away from tying their 2006 record of waiting till week 13 to have a 100-yard receiver. Um, I think that the receivers did do enough to take over the game for New England. They absolutely did. I mean, and right now, the only thing this team, on offense at least, is missing is kind of a home run threat, top off the defense receiver. You don't need that. The Patriots had that in Randy Moss. They never won a championship with Randy Moss. It would be nice if maybe Nikhil Harry and or Nelson Aguilar became kind of a home run threat that represented at least the option when they're on the field. I don't think any team is worried the Pats are going to go deep on them. But again, if you have a running back or a quarterback, excuse me, who is as consistent as Mac Jones is and his, whose offense is playing as consistently and cohesively as the Patriots are, you obviously don't need that. And while I personally, if I was given the option between we have a player here like a Rob Gronkowski or a prime Derrick Henry or a Randy Moss, Calvin Johnson, the guys that are single-handedly able to take over a game or a bunch of players that can take over the game but are all capable at any moment of doing something awesome. It's much harder to defend the latter. And there's really not a situation where you can zero in on one player for the Patriots because they've got so many other options and everyone's playing well and everyone's doing just enough. You know, not – there's not one player who's being forced to carry the entire load. If one guy's not playing well or he's getting marked out of the game, there's other options to pick that up. And the fact that a rookie quarterback is able to see that and recognize that and not just hone in on his favorite target or not listen to maybe a receiver chirping in his ear, I need the ball more, I think that shows a great shine of maturity. Not only from Mac Jones, 
But from a team, Rich, that you easy to forget that most of these guys are on the team for their first year. It is very rare to see a consistent and comprehensive team like this with just one year playing together. It's been 12 weeks, and those early kind of miscommunications, the early ball security issues, they've all worked themselves out. And as the Patriots go into this kind of final stretch of the season, I think offensively they're in really good shape. Totally. Absolutely. And I mean, like, I would love for Nelson Aguilar to even be like a Chris Hogan in this offense where, like, you give him one big pass each week. That's it. If he gets it, great. If not, oh, well. But at least force the defense to defend them deep. Um, but I, I have a question for you. I, I completely agree that it's rare for an offense to have so many new faces and to be so competitive so quickly. But there is one challenge. Uh, look at the Patriots' second quarter. They had four drives, one of them to the Titans' four-yard line, one to the 19-yard line, one to the 26-yard line, one to the 35-yard line, and then the opening drive of the second half to the Titans' 10-yard line. So all of them within field goal range. Uh, all of them, they had to settle for field goals. So when the Patriots get into that positive territory, they struggled to get into the end zone. Is that a cause for concern for you? Yes, it is. Uh, I wrote about it in my fan notes. There really isn't a red zone threat. I guess it's Hunter Henry to a degree, but he's not the kind of guy you need to double cover in the end zone. The fact that on third and goal, the fit corner fade route was to Kendrick Bourne and not to Keel Harry speaks volumes. The Patriots are going to have to score touchdowns and not field goals come the playoffs. We talked about how there's teams that are wildly inconsistent, but when the Chiefs are on their game, they can score on literally every single play. That's not an exaggeration. There's not a single time when that offense, when it's firing on all cylinders, can be on the field and not be a threat to score a touchdown, whether at the one-yard line of their own one-yard line or the opponent's one-yard line. And if you get to a situation where you're playing a Chiefs that are playing well, or even the Ravens, if the running game is firing and Lamar Jackson is running well and your possessions are very, very limited, you are going to have to stop leaving points on the board and going to Nick Folk in those situations. Uh, I always get nervous when it's first and goal from, like, the seventh with New England. If they're inside the three, they got Ramondre Stevenson, they got Damian Harris, they've got the flash into Johnny Smith, Hunter Henry, they can punch that in. But for inside the 20 and to like the six-yard line, I don't think they have kind of that threat and that, that play-calling ability to consistently score touchdowns there. And if they can't fix that, that's going to bite them in the ass down the stretch. I, I completely agree. Yeah. And so, okay, so if, if you're Josh McDaniels and if you're the Patriots, how are you going to fix this? Like, I, I think some of it is just connecting and execution. Like, they, they had a very bad miss to Hunter Henry. Mac Jones just missed him wide open. Would love to have that back. And there were a couple of those passes where it's like, okay, you need to make those. Um, but you're a rookie. Those, that, if that is the extent of your rookie mistake, then, like, I'll take that. Um, but who is the player, uh, if you're looking outside of the running backs, who is the receiver uh, that needs to step up in the red zone if the Patriots are going to convert these field goal drives into touchdowns? Boy, would I love to say Jacoby Myers, just to get him more touchdowns. He deserves it. <laughs> However, I, I, he's not the red zone. Again, I, I love to say Nikhil Harry. I think that's why the Patriots drafted him for, for second and goal from the six for a corner fade route. Like, that's exactly what he's supposed to be doing. But now second and goal from the six, Nikhil Harry's on the field probably because he's blocking on a screen route or a toss play. He's just not, for whatever reason, just not the red zone guy. So I think it's got to be the tight ends. I really do. I think Johnny Smith, who got much more involved in this game, I think they used him very creatively. He had a rush for nine or ten yards. He had a career high in, in, in receiving yards. I think he's a mismatch on the goal line. He's not the kind of go-up-and-get-it kind of guy, but I'd like to see the tight end. Maybe, maybe a, a three-tight end package, get Trent Brown in there and, and on like a swing pass. But I think I think get the tight ends involved more at, at the goal line as receiving threats, especially with the Mac Jones being as effective as he is with the play action. That might work because the tight ends really are, are a quarterback's best friend around the red zone.
I agree. I mean, that's how historically the Patriots have been like successful in the red zone uh, in the past. It's either been Rob Gronkowski, Martellus Bennett, and then the running back. That's like generally how it is. The slot receiver, the Edelmans of the world, they never carry the offense in the red zone. You know, they get them to the goal line and then they punch it in or give it to someone to go up and get it. And so if, if there's a player that will emerge, my mind it is Johnny Smith. Uh, he is coming off his best day as a member of the Patriots in my mind. Um, and I, I think that the more he gets involved in the passing attack, the more trust they'll have in giving him the ball in the red zone. Uh, and I, I think that he is a mismatch. And, and with Henry drawing a lot of the attention because he is the team leader in receiving touchdowns, I, I think that Johnny Smith should get more favorable matchups. And if you go down, if you're inside the red zone and you have the, you know, your package with both Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry, and then whether it's Harris or Stevenson out there, uh, and then you can have your Jacoby Myers and Kendrick Bourne, like players that can get open in short range as opposed to Nelson Aguilar, you can either run it or you can pass it. And those are the situations in the past where the Patriots would have, you know, like the, the Rex Burkhead of the world where you could dump it off to the running back and he can get you towards the goal line. Uh, and you'll just have those favorable matchups. And I, I think that that is where we're trending. I think Johnny Smith having a good day allows the Patriots to have a little bit more confidence in putting both him and Henry on the field at the same time. And, and I think that with both of them, being mismatches against linebackers, um, but also, you know, if they're showing against defensive backs, really good run defenders, I think the more that they show in that space, the more versatility that they'll have. And Johnny Smith is really, in my mind, the key to unlocking this offensive potential. Well, here's the good news, Rich Hill. Uh, until the Patriots figure it out, I think you're right. They had the pieces in place, and the Mac Jones is spread it around enough so they, they can they can make something happen inside the red zone. And But luckily, until they figure it out, uh, they have a defense that kind of just doesn't allow points on the board. Uh, they went they, they went eight full quarters without allowing a single point. It wasn't until the second quarter of this game they allowed a point. And if not for – and they had to challenge it because it was down at the goal line. If not for that 68-yard run, it would have been one touchdown all day. This defense is playing lights out. I'm looking up and down the roster looking for their most glaring weakness, and it's like fourth cornerback at this point. And maybe even Devin McCourty as a three safety who's lost his step. But it doesn't matter because the pass rush is fierce. Matthew Judon is an absolute animal. The linebackers are firing in all cylinders. And I feel like the Patriots, if they can the 10-point lead, think they can hang with anybody in the NFL right now. Oh, I agree. I mean, the the goal for the Patriots is to be able to force the opposing team into throwing the ball because no team has a better secondary. I, I think that Kyle Duggar's emergence and Adrian Phillips' reliance gives the Patriots the best three safety trio in the league. And then you add in the fact that Jalen Mills is playing outstanding football in this zone defense that they've shifted to. J.C. Jackson is uh, going to be an all-pro this year. I think that's going to happen, and he's going to really cash in with the Patriots. Uh, I, I think that New England will try to extend him just because he is that good and that uh, important for this Patriots secondary for forcing turnovers. And so the fact that you have such a good secondary allows the Patriots to have a lot of confidence when opposing teams have to throw the ball. And the Titans, they committed to the run attack early in the game, and so they never, you know, when the Patriots had that early lead, Titans didn't go away from their rushing attack, and they, it paid off because the Titans were able to kind of keep it close in the first half. But we saw in the second half what happens when the Patriots have a lead. And I, I think that you have... Uh, Judon playing outstanding football, Kyle Van Noy playing his best football. Three passes defended from Kyle Van Noy is wild. Added a forced fumble, uh, he, he's playing his best football as well. But one player that I really want to highlight, uh, Jawan Bentley. Jawan Bentley has been 
taking his game to the next level over this team's win streak. He has really benefited from the return of Hightower, drawing away a lot of the attention from him. Uh, but he led the team with 10 tackles, chipped in a sack, and two forced fumbles. Bentley was outstanding for the Patriots out there. He has really come into his own. And I, I think that, uh, as I've always said, if you've listened to this podcast, the Patriots' defense is as good as their linebackers are. And Bentley's play at current level is why the Patriots have been able to do so well. I mentioned Devin McCourty, uh, Rich, as a possible Patriots weak link. He's not like a, a liability out there, but again, that that uh, that tackle he didn't make on the that's on him that touchdown. He's lost a step a little bit, and I Kyle Duggar and Adrian Phillips are both playing very well, but they're there's a different kind of safety than McCourty is. Is it ridiculous to say that, that free safety is the weak link on this Patriots defense, or is another position you may be there if it has to be a cause for concern, that's where it is? Yeah, I mean, like if, if it's not free safety, then it would be defensive line. Uh, thinking of the interior, where it's like Devon Godshaw leading at nose, Christian Barmore getting more snaps coming out there as the pass rushing specialist. And you have Carl Davis as the nose tackle, and Lawrence Guy, who's kind of like your third defensive tackle rotating in. Like you have four like pretty solid players. Like they're not outstanding, um, but like similar to McCordy. Like with McCordy, when he makes a mistake, it looks it's a highlight play because he's that last line of defense. When you have a mistake from your defensive interior, the Patriots have these linebackers playing extremely well to help clean up. And so you know a mistake from the defensive line might be a six or seven yard run, whereas a mistake from McCordy might be a you know seventy yard touchdown run. And so I, I, I think that. McCourty's mistakes are highlight plays. I think that if I had to target the real weak link, it would be that defensive interior, and that's partially why the Patriots need to get out to early leads and force teams to not run the ball anymore because they can run the ball with some consistency on the interior uh, if they want to. Uh, the Patriots rank 23rd in the league in yards per carry allowed, uh, and so I, I think that the Patriots do a good job getting stronger in the red zone, but the Patriots need to take the ball away from the opposing team's rushing attack. So do you think, Rich, at this point in the season, we're kind of in an it-is-what-it-is situation regarding this rush defense? If a team has a good running game, they're going to be able to run all over New England and the offense have to keep them in it? Or is there a situation you can see them making adjustments and stymieing the run altogether? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you look at this offense and seeing how like they've grown over the course of the year. We're seeing that with this defense as well. We're seeing that switch to the, the zone coverage has really helped the secondary out. Uh, I think that they're trying to expand Christian Barmore's playing time. And so the more that he plays, the the more opportunity there will be for a change in their defensive interior. I think Devon Godshaw is getting more play as well. Um, I think Carl Davis is beginning some opportunities. And so I, I think that as they just kind of you know, finagle the calculus of who is getting playing time. I, I think that they will either have a lot of like really strong payoff or not. And the way, so the way that I look at it against the Titans is that they played a lot of three defensive tackle sets. And so the big concern for me is that they were trying to stop the run and they failed to do it. <laughs> and yeah. so, uh, that's why I'm like, this feels more like an anomaly uh, as opposed to uh, like any real lasting issues. Obviously, I think that the defensive tackles are like the weakest positional group, but I think that the fact that the Patriots played three of their defensive tackles and the Titans gained 270 yards on the ground is more indicative that uh, there was a fundamental issue in execution as opposed to like some lasting opposing teams can run the ball at, like, at will as the game plan moving forward. 
you know, man, it's funny. At first I was watching, I thought it was a scenario where the Patriots were up by two scores and the clock was ticking and Belichick was just like, there's no way they can keep running it. They don't have time. They had to switch the passing game. And the Titans just kept running it. And he just refused to acknowledge that the Titans just weren't going to deviate from the game plan, despite the fact that the probability books had his time to abandon the run and go to the pass. But you're right. They had big packages out there. They had the linebackers up on the line, and they were still pounding up the middle. But who knows? Uh, there are some good running teams coming up. The Bills have a good running team. The Colts have an amazing running back back there. Those are both guys that will be seeing very, very soon. So hopefully they will be able to adjust that very shortly because the last thing you want are these long, sustained drives that end in touchdowns and the Patriots drive down and kick field goals. That's not how you're going to win against the Bills or the Colts or anybody, for that matter, in the National Football League. Uh, anything else you want to talk about, Rich? I mean, again, it's a pretty pretty solid win for the Patriots. It puts them there. They were briefly first place in the AFC until the Ravens barely beat the Browns. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's hard to sit here in a scenario where this entire season, I've said it in the very beginning, this is a freebie year for the Patriots fans. They've got a rookie quarterback. They've got a whole new team. They're they're in the middle of a rebuild, and they're sitting here at 8-4 and four with a very legitimate shot at a potential first-round buy in the playoff. It's insane. Yeah, totally. I mean, the fact that we're able to be uh, frustrated with the season opener loss against the Dolphins as having real seasonal implications uh, is a very strong indication that this is a great Patriots like experience season. You know, a lot of new faces, whether it's your quarterback, your receivers, even on your, your defense. I, I think that this is a huge building block year and anything that comes from it should be considered a positive. You have your three favorites, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, in the Bills, Ravens, and Chiefs that have like the more veteran, your quarterbacks are on their big money extensions. They're the best three quarterbacks in the conference that they should be the understandable favorites. And the fact that the Patriots are even in consideration amongst those three teams is a huge bonus. And I, I for one, will just continue to enjoy the ride of this year. Enjoying the ride is the way to go, Rich. We're going to break down that Bills game in more detail in our next podcast later this week. But just real quick, we have some early preliminary thoughts at Buffalo Monday night. I feel like, like the Titans game, this is another one that Patriots fans had slated for a loss. Maybe split with Buffalo on the season if we're lucky. Lose on the road, win at home. Rookie quarterback going into a very difficult place to play. Primetime game. Not quite the matchup we thought it would be earlier in the season because the Bills just lost their best cornerback. They're very inconsistent in terms of their ability to score points. They're kind of a home run, boom or bust team. Pats are riding a very consistent six-game win streak. But this is a really, really important game. Because of that Dolphins game you mentioned earlier in the season, if the Patriots don't sweep the Bills, their chances of winning the AFC East are actually kind of slim. It's kind of wild. Yeah, no, it's true. I, th I think that the fact that the Bills have chosen to lose teams to the conference teams and the Patriots have lost to the NFC teams gives them like a temporary boost in like whatever horse race we're looking at in the standings. But in reality, the the whole season comes down to can the Patriots sweep the Bills or not? If not, the Bills are not going to to lose to the Jets. And if if they uh beat the Jets and they split with the Patriots, they will get the divisional lead. And so if they tie with the Patriots as it relates to record, then the Bills will win the division. And so the Patriots are in a position where they need to sweep the Bills uh, to have any confidence in winning the, the division. And so it's going to be hard, make or break for the Patriots as it relates to winning the division. But as you we were saying, even if they're in the playoffs, it's just going to be fun to see them make some noise. Absolutely. And again, I, I, before we went on there, I, there, there could be a scenario where week 18 rolls around and like nothing is set in stone and a team could be like the one seed or out of the playoffs altogether by the end of week 18. 
And as a fan, you can't ask for much more than that. That's a lot of fun. Totally. And so, as you said, we'll break more of this down later in the week as we head towards that uh, Patriots-Bills game on Monday night. Alec, until next time, you have a good one. You too, buddy. See ya. Bye, man.